Tim Richards is a Melbourne writer known for his love of train travel. Recently, he used a Eurail pass to plot a long train journey through Europe, starting in Portugal and eventually boarding 20 trains, not including the metros, to end up on a very scenic train line in Montenegro. I spoke to him earlier. I've got Melbourne writer Tim Richards on the line. Tim's not long back from a large-ish railway journey. You know, Tim loves a train, and I do too, actually, but uh, he really loves a train. Like anywhere there's a set of rails, he could be found riding them, I think. Tim, welcome back. Good to be here. Now, you've just been on a long European train trip. Was it one train? I, did I read somewhere you went on 20 trains? Yeah, it was 20 trains. And wow. it, was more, it was more than that if you count the metro trains and so on that you'd have inside a city. But forgetting those, it's 20 long-distance trains. Wow. Uh, it was just great to be back in Europe after, you know, four years because of the pandemic. I, I wrote that whole book, Ultimate train journeys world during the second lockdown here in Melbourne so it was nice to actually be on real trains rather than writing about them yeah yeah I know the I know the feeling is the journey you did is it a sort of a known thing or did you just assemble as many trains as you could basically (laughs) heading in the in the right direction well, more or less, because what it was, it's, it was all, the whole trip was centred on a Eurail pass, and you might know of, yeah. of the pass, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, popular pass. And nowadays, it's actually on your phone. It's a digital version. So, it was, in a sense, I was offered that to give that a run. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I should try and not just go to one or two countries, but try to give a proper, good, pan-European trip to really sort of stretch the Eurail Pass and get the most out of it. So I looked at the map and I, I started, I thought, well, Portugal's good. I've never been there. It's right down in the lower left-hand corner of the map, so to speak. Uh, and I thought originally maybe of sort of diagonally up to the Balk- Baltic states. And uh, But actually then I thought, you know, I've hardly seen any of Southern Europe. I tend to hang around Central Eastern Europe. And uh, so I just came up with a trip that arced from Portugal Portugal right across to Serbia and passed through Spain, France, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, and ended up in Serbia. So wow. I got a, okay. I got a great, yeah, a great selection of cities. It was twelve cities. They're all very different, obviously different cultures and food cultures and histories. And I really liked uh, Eastern Europe too. So it was nice to see some countries there I hadn't been to before. So it's like a circle med tour, was it? <laughs> sort of, yeah, because I, I had my first clips of the Mediterranean after I left Barcelona on my way to Lyon and, and just a little glimpse. And then later when I went from Verona to uh, Zagreb um, uh, at Trieste, you had a fantastic uh, view of the Mediterranean. And, of course, when I was in uh, later on in Split and Dubrovnik, you, you're right on the, the, Adri- the, a- yeah. Yeah, the Adriatic Sea. Beautiful weather too, yeah. So, so it was nice to have that Mediterranean uh, mm. kind of um, theme. And even places like Lyon, which uh, I only went to really, it's inland uh, because it has good rail connections, but turned out to be great to visit. It's a fabulous food town, I believe. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was because they're in this interesting position in sort of southeastern France where they're quite close to the Alps, but they've also got plenty of farming country. So they've got the wine, but they've got the cheeses. They've got, you know, an interesting variety, very close to Italy as well. So influenced from there historically. So I went on a great food tour. Um, I'm I'm a great one for food walking tours. I think they're just a great way to 
plug into the local culture and have some nice food at the same time. Well, you have um, to walk yeah. then, mate, to walk the food off, don't you? Well, you do, yeah, with all those <laughs> lovely cheeses and sausage and salami oh, yeah. and yeah. gelati and, yeah, and so on, yeah. That's fantastic. Did you go on any high-speed trains or what, yes. how would you describe the uh, general well, well, uh, event? Well, before I mention the high speeds, because yeah, they were a, they were a feature of it. You know, I picked Portugal, just you know Lisbon, straight without really looking up anything. And I thought, obviously, there'll be a high speed connection between Lisbon and Madrid. And I was absolutely wrong. Uh, when the pandemic came around, the um, Spanish railways couldn't wait to cancel the sleeper train that connected the two, oh. and they haven't brought it back. You now to get to go between these two adjacent. EU capitals, you catch four regional trains. Oh. It, took, it took all day. It was, it was, it was, to be honest, that was kind of fun. It was a good test for the Ural Pass as well. But, you know, you're just on these four quite basic regional trains seeing sort of, you know, um, outback Portugal and Spain and finally got to Madrid. But, I mean, hopefully in a few years there'll be a high-speed connection, but it all seems to be a little bit off in the future. But having said that, once I was in Madrid, then onwards uh, there were quite a few high-speeds. So the Ave train. Uh, that is Spain's high-speed trains on to Barcelona. Then there were TGVs in France to Nîmes and uh, Lyon, uh, and then high-speed Frecciarossa, the Italian very red trains from there into Italy. I stayed at Verona, based myself there. I went down to Venice for a day trip, Bologna for a day trip, and then on to Trieste to get to Croatia. So um, there were quite a few high speeds. So those those three different national ones, the Spanish, French, Italian high-speed trains. They're pretty impressive. Um, oh, they are I, impressive. Yeah, I, I remember the very last leg where I'd, I'd changed at Milan and I was on my way to Verona. And at that point, the, the, the railway line happened to be running alongside a you know, major kind of highway or freeway, motorway or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it, the traffic there was moving quite smoothly, but we were passing everything. Yep. You know, we were I passing trucks and cars and you know and you just went wow yeah you know, we really are moving along with a fair old clip here because milan to verona which is a fair distance on the map it was only like an hour and something so um once you're actually on those things and they're moving you, you really are covering the ground quite yeah. you know oh. quite speedily yeah it's, it's good. impressive so mm. the as i remember the u-rail it came with a dirty big book which you know you needed a phd in rocket science <laughs> to, to navigate the book but it's a time-based thing the u-rail pass isn't it? you buy yes. a week or two or a month yeah it's actually a bit, yeah it's a bit complex you've got lots of choices now one i went to for which i'm told is the most popular is you get 15 days of travel in two months right so uh in, in the old days you would have kind of ticked off that day on the on the pass what you do now is you activate that day on your on the app on your phone. Right. So it's the same basic concept. You look up, it's got a search function. You look up the actual trains you want to catch, you put them into your little planner, and then when you're ready, you just activate it, and they become live tickets with a barcode that the conductor can scan. But the only issue around that is with the high-speed trains particularly, you usually have to buy a separate seat reservation as well. So right. you've, got, you've got the pass, but you might have to spend another 10 or 20 euros on a high-speed seat reservation, and that will be maybe on a piece of paper or, or um, just on your phone. Mm. So it's a slightly annoying, especially with Spain, because the Spanish railways do not make it at all easy to buy these things outside Spain. So you find you have to wait till you're there before you can get them, and you're a little bit worried your, your train might be booked out. So there's, there's a slight twist, but but outside that, all the regular trains that, are, that don't require seat reservations, you can just rock up, activate your pass for that day, and you get on the train, off you go. So, I mean, so that part of it's still straightforward. So it's still, it's still is similar to the paper pass. 
Did you try to have a, a hotel night on the train? Did you try the overnight uh, trains? Is that the I, process? I did because there's hardly any sleeper trains left in southern Europe because right. the, the one sad thing is they're doing very well in central and northern Europe. They're having a big resurgence, in fact, because of environmental reasons, but there are very few in southern Europe. And to a degree, the high-speed trains have displaced the sleeper trains because right. you can, if you can get there in three hours, maybe you don't need to be on a sleeper, right? Sure. But I mean, but there actually are a lot of arguments for having being on the sleeper because you're, you know, just you don't have to pay for a hotel room that night mm. and then you, you arrive first thing. But anyway, I did go on my one sleeper. It was the very last train. So uh, I ran out of rails uh, at Split in, in um, Croatia. So mm-hmm. I caught a ferry from there down to Dubrovnik, which was a lovely um, sunny day. So that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And a few nights in Dubrovnik. Then I caught a bus from there, which took me down across the border into Montenegro. And there's a little town there on the seaside called Bar, as in B-A-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back in the 50s to 70s, because it took about 20 years to build, Yugoslavia, um, present, one of President Tito's projects, was to build a railway all the way down from Belgrade through the mountains to the coast at Montenegro. So there's this amazing railway line and it's quite spectacular that runs between those two. And every day they have a couple of trains. They have a sleeper train from uh, Bar. So I, I showed up. You cannot book those tickets ahead in any way online or anything, right? You can't book them outside Montenegro or Serbia either. Right. So I, I rocked up on the bus hoping there would be you know, a vacancy on the train that night. Sure enough, there was, um, they had a couchette, you know, uh, the type of uh, six bunks in a, in a single compartment, that kind of arrangement. Yeah. So, so and it, the supplement on top of the URL pass for the bed was just eight euros. So this is a cheap Good train. Deal, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's a cheap train. I mean, normally it's only about 20 or 30 euros anyway for a bed on the train. So I, I, I showed up at bar. I managed to get my ticket with a bit of sign language and, and, and so on and killed some time in the slightly dingy bars and restaurants around the station, had some food and then hopped on the train. And it was, it was, it was great because we had about an hour and a half before sunset by the time it departed and so everyone it's one of those old they're all second-hand carriages from german railways or whatever so the window the windows open so we're all standing in the corridor leaning on the windows watching first the seaside and then the mountains as we make our way into Montenegro as the sunset, so it was pretty impressive. Oh, that uh, sounds great! Yeah, I mean, it was a really crap train. It was it was very basic. The the loos were terrible. Uh, you know, it was it, it was a bit grubby, but but you know, we had linen on the beds. The beds were comfortable enough. And um, in the morning, you wake up and you're sort of seeing Serbian towns. Uh, with you know lovely Orthodox churches go by, and because uh, we had all our passport control about 11 p.m., so it wasn't too late in the right, evening. Okay. You, you could get a bit of sleep, and then I showed up in in Belgrade the next day. So that was my one sleeper of the whole oh, run. Okay. But it was it was very memorable. It was great, very so old school. Would you say that the 15 day deal was the was the best deal, or could yeah, taken a longer train segment? I could have even gone shorter actually because I didn't right. use I didn't use all fifteen days in the end, okay. but because I had a few spares in a sense, I knew that I didn't need the whole fifteen. Right. Uh, but I, the, the one below it would have been too few, so that was a good choice. But but it meant I could be a bit spontaneous. So I was staying in Verona for five days because um, Venice was booked out and really expensive, but it's not far away, right? So I had a spare day one day, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick some unreserved trains and just go on a day trip. And I went down to Bologna for the day because it's just ninety minutes. On the, uh, just a second-class unreserved train. Mm-hmm. So you, all you had to do was activate the travel day for that. But, you know, you, you searched and put your itinerary in the app, activated it, and then you've got tickets for that day. And I just went down to Bologna for the day and ate some really nice food and wandered back to Verona. So it was it was nice having the extra days. They were sometimes handy in Zagreb too because I was able to use 
strategically use some incoming kind of regional trains uh, almost as local transport because I, I knew I had some days to spare. Okay. So it sort, of, it sort of depends how much. I mean, you can plan out your trip, but it's not bad having a couple of spare days no, you can use. Maybe it's worth having a couple up your sleeve for the just-in-case yeah. you know, scenario which you've spelled out. Now, Tim, if people want to buy Eurail passes, is it easy to do in Australia or um, how, yeah, how's I the mean, best way to do it? Eurail passes are specifically only available to to non-Europeans, right? So Europeans right. buy the interrail pass, which you may have heard of yep. as well. And they're very similar. But um, So they are very much, this is the product for Australians and others who, who want to travel in Europe by train. And for a whole truckload of tips from Tim about uh, riding the rails, his book is called? Uh, Ultimate Train Journeys World. So there's a but it's basically describes 30 different great train journeys in different parts of the world. So there's some Europe content in there, of course. Fantastic. That's published by Hardy Grant, and we will yep. have details of uh, of the book in our show notes. Tim, thanks so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge and your recent experience with us. Tim Richards' book Ultimate Train Journeys World is published by Hardy Grant, and for Eurail passes, go to eurail.com. 